Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Paper Ghosts is a production of iHeartRadio. The following episode contains material that may be unsuitable and difficult for some to hear. Previously on Paper Ghosts. Among the cold cases, 20-year-old Susan LaRosa banished on a trip to a store in Rockville in 1975. My sister Sue was not a good mother. She was, she was a horrible mother, actually. Uh, she went off on the little one, and she backhanded him. Uh, the kid was bleeding profusely. Police used to handle domestic violence just for the warning. They would tell husbands, you know, control your wife or go back inside, don't call us. So the theory the family has is... That either, okay, 
he went off on her because he couldn't take it anymore and he was trying to protect his, his kid. So he either took a piece of pipe that he always had in the house because he always collected it and knocked her with it or he just knocked her down and she smashed her head against a tub. My name is M. William Phelps. This is Paper Ghosts. That voice you hear begging the 911 operator for help is from a six-year-old. There can be no doubt what she is witnessing. Her stepfather is beating her mother and siblings, which he had been doing continually for years. It was 1990. The call became infamous, changing the way in which we as Americans thought about domestic violence. Go back 15 years from there and mentioning this sort of thing or talking about it to anyone in the 70s was unheard of. For that reason, among others, it hasn't been easy to get direct family members to talk to me about what happened the night Susan LaRosa disappeared. It's taken months, years even, to build the relationships I have and gain their trust enough to get the true story. I've now spoken to two of Susan's sisters and have gotten a better understanding of who she was, both as a mother and a wife, and that her own family believes she was murdered by her husband, Bob, in an attempt to protect their child from abuse. It's really difficult to imagine how bad things were behind closed doors, inside that apartment, or what life was like for a child to grow up in such an unhealthy environment. That being said, I was finally able to track down an important La Rosa source, someone unafraid to confront her past a primary witness who claims to have been in the room on June 23, 1975, the night Susan LaRosa was murdered. The story has always been that Susan left her apartment to call her mother, as she did just about every night at the same time, to pick up diapers and formula at a nearby drugstore. But according to this witness... Susan LaRosa's only daughter, her mother never left their apartment alive. Good morning. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Stacy LaRosa is Bob and Susan LaRosa's oldest child, now in her mid-40s. She lives nowhere near New England these days, for reasons that will become abundantly clear. You guys grew up on Ward Street. Um, do you have many memories about Ward Street and the household before this? No, um, just a rocking chair in the window we sat at. No, 
Okay. The night, that night, that's my memory, that night. That's the only memory I actually have of my mom, which is messed up. In the days after Susan LaRosa went missing, days, literally, Bob LaRosa separated his three children, Stacy, Robert, and Mo, and sent them to stay with different family members, which is, for me, in and of itself, strange behavior. Families generally bond, stay close and connected during such a traumatic time, especially so early into it. Stacy, the oldest of the LaRosa's three kids, wound up with her godparents in Western Massachusetts. She was three years old. The documents I have describing this period of time are incredibly detailed, not to mention alarming. Exactly three months to the day Susan went missing, Stacy's godmother called Vernon police and said, quote, the child has brought up the subject of her missing mother. That alone might not sound like much, but it's what Stacy says next that is both chilling and revealing. I have night terrors. I mean, that's what they, they call them. They're, to me, back then, they were just scary dreams, but I mean, the, the, the proper terminology is they're night terrors. Night terrors are a type of sleep disorder in which a person is suddenly awakened in a state of fear. Uncommon, they predominantly affect young children. They're unlike nightmares, i.e. bad dreams. They can result from a number of reasons. But in Stacy's case, that fear is directly related to what she witnessed as a three-year-old. To tell me about that, so how does that start for you? It always starts the same way with Robert and me. You know, like... Robert and I are arguing over his truck, and he pulled my hair, okay? And I screamed, and I see my mom. She's changing Mo on the changing thing, that table thing, and I scream, and she just kind of left Mo. I mean, back then, I guess I didn't realize all this was going on, but as an adult now, you can see it better. But um, she turned around, she slapped my brother in the face, and right on the nose, and it bled. It bled. It was bleeding. In the police report of this incident, the fight between Stacy and her middle brother, Robert, is outlined. A bloody nose, however, is not. Only a cut lip. The kind of cut, quote, caused by a tooth sticking into the lip from inside the mouth. It's obvious, but important to point out. A cut lip and bloody nose will produce vastly different amounts of blood. So Robert wiped his hand on his nose he touched the wall, so there's a bloody handprint, okay? My dad, he was in the kitchen. In one law enforcement document, written the day after Susan went missing, the Vernon PD reported how Bob LaRosa told one of Susan's sisters that, quote, Sue swiped the child in the face, causing him to strike his head on the stove. Sue then grabbed the child by the hair and dragged him into a bedroom and threw him against the wall. I asked Stacy about this. Bullshit, she said. She remembers none of it. I should note that Bob LaRosa never told that story again and actually changed his story several times throughout the years. Stacy continues explaining what she does recall about her dad. He used to clean metal. Um, he used to return metal, okay? He was cleaning this, this long, like, silver pipe thing. So he comes in and her back was towards him, you know, and he just, he, he was angry. Like, I always thought it was an accident. I really did believe that in my heart. I think I needed to. 
and he just took his arm and he he had the the pipe and he just hit her. He hit her hard, and my mom just fell, like totally just fell. And I remember I even know what I'm wearing, like I know what I'm wearing, and um, I knelt down by her head and and there's all this this blood, you know. To me, it was just red yicky stuff, but there was all this blood and there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood. Dad said that she was sleeping. And I kept, mommy, mommy, wake up, mommy, wake up, mommy, wake up. My mom wasn't moving, you know, like there was no twitching. There was, my mom just didn't move. Some might not trust what a three-year-old says. Others have judged Stacy's memories, viewing what she recalls through a lens of a substance abuse problem she develops later and psychological issues she deals with throughout her life. They can have their opinions. For me, however... I tend to lean more toward professional analysis. A three-year-old cannot make up what Stacy reported at that age. They do not have the mental capacity. Stacy had no idea I had the documents in front of me as we spoke. She's never seen these reports. In fact, no one outside of law enforcement has. And the psychologist who treated Stacy right after she began having night terrors, he said the child is too young to fantasize. And what she tells me next, well, listen for yourself. The gentleman that was there that showed up, he has on a red and black checkered um, flannel shirt kind of thing and a black T-shirt thing underneath with a pocket thing. And he, he, he really smells. He smells like a very strong, and it's definitely cherry tobacco, very strong smell. Like I even now to this day, I, I can't smell that smell without like freezing. Stacy is referring to someone she claims showed up after her father allegedly killed her mother, a man who came by specifically to help Bob dispose of Susan LaRosa's body. So him and my dad, um, they brought my mom out of the house, and that's the last time I've seen my mom. Stacy's story has not changed since she was three years old. According to the report from the child psychologist at the time, quote, The child then stated that her daddy and some man carried mommy to the car, end quote. The shirts he wore, the the cherry tobacco smell. I know that that's the person that was there. I can describe what he's wearing. I can smell him a mile away. The smell is very, very strong. I can't, I want to see his face and I I just never did. I never saw his, I mean, I did at that time, but for some reason I can't see his face when I, when I go into this this state that I'm in actually right now, I can't see his face. Months after Susan went missing, Bob LaRosa took a polygraph test administered by police. He passed. But exactly nine months to the day Susan disappeared, Bob took a second test. The one question Bob failed, do you know for sure who killed your wife? His answer, no. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. 
Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, we're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. About a year after Susan LaRosa's body was found, Bob married a woman he began dating only weeks after his wife went missing. And yet one police source has told me it was weeks before. The fact is, if Bob had a girlfriend before Susan went missing, that creates the oldest motive in the Idiot's Guide to Murdering Your Spouse Handbook. 
After living with her godparents for nearly a year, Stacy moved back in with her father and his new wife. But according to Stacy and other family members, Bob would also send Stacy to live with other people from time to time. I have to say, at this point during our interview, the next moment opens up a thread with alleged accusations so horrific as both a father of four myself and an investigator who's thought he's heard everything, what I hear next is deeply disturbing, but also vitally important within my investigation. My dad was not a very good man. My dad was bad with me. My dad didn't stop touching me until I was 12. See, my dad gave me to somebody, kind of, like, like I had to live with friends of his, and um, I was nine the first time. No, seven, seven the first time. And then I didn't tell until I was 12, you know, but um, this guy, his name was Armin Roulard. My dad was friends with him. My, we had a lot of male friends, and we, we were told to call them uncles. You know, like, we had lots of uncles, lots of uncles. And um, I had to stay with him. I don't know why, but I, I lived with them for a year. While staying at this man, Armin Roulard's house, Stacy recalled horrendous abuse. I, I was being hurt there really bad, like things, you know, like things. And and um, I still to this day believe my dad gave me to him for some reason. But I, I pretended I was sick one time, you know, like I pretended I was sick. I was pretending I couldn't move my neck. And and I got I got to go home. I got to go back to my dad's house, you know. And um, when I was nine, this guy, he came to live with us, you know, and um, I never told. I never told. I'm told Bob LaRosa actually turned the guy in. Armand Roulard was sentenced on May 1st, 1985, after being found guilty of molesting several young girls, including Stacy. He served 19 of a 33-year sentence and recently died of natural causes. This was a time when Amber Alert, serial killer, stranger danger, and abduction were not part of the everyday global news cycle. There was no such thing. This type of crime was not discussed socially, inside homes, or openly in neighborhoods. There was no internet. There were no task forces and FBI databases of serial offender stats and profiles. No sex offender registry. It was a period when sex trafficking and the idea of missing people and murder, especially young females, were so outside the norm few considered such a dark element of society committing these crimes could infiltrate what was a safe image of rural America. And when I speak of sex trafficking in the 60s and 70s, especially in the cases I'm investigating, I am referring to an unorganized system of passing kids around. Stacy had confided in an adult she was close to and explained the allegations against Armand Roulard and her father. And I told her that dad was hurting me. The spit in my face, slapped me across the face and called me an effing liar. After Bob heard of his daughter's allegations, Stacy claims he told her brother to pack her suitcase, a fact her brother later confirmed from me. Stacy was not part of the family anymore, and she was then forced to leave. And dad brought me to Hartford on Marshall Street and freaking left me there at 12 years old. Left me there. Okay, I'm gracious to God that I'm alive because the man could have killed me. Because he knew I told on him. 
There's some dispute whether Stacy was 12 or 14, but still. Marshall Street, Hartford is in the Asylum Hill section, very dangerous in some areas. According to Stacy, Bob dropped her off on the street, said good luck, there's a woman's shelter up the road, and drove away. Stacy found the shelter and began life on the street on her own. She spent the next 10 years surviving any way she could. I just wanted Dad to stop. I wanted him to stop. I wasn't his thing. He was, and even as an adult, when I kept trying to forgive him, and I really do look to God, and I really, I know God says we're supposed to forgive, and I kept trying, kept trying to have some kind of a father relationship, you know? But the man would kiss me on the lips, and okay, that would freak me out, because you're my dad, you don't need to be doing that, you know? And and just weird things, and, and my dad was just, he's not a good, he was, when I have, please do not, I know I'm being recorded, but my brothers can't know that I wanted him dead. I really did. No charges for sexual abuse or exploitation were ever filed against Bob LaRosa. He died in 2018 from what I've been told is a combination of heart disease and other ailments. So he cannot dispute his daughters and other family members' allegations. But documents and witnesses corroborate Stacy's story. Many of Bob's siblings and relatives refer to Bob as a pervert. They have told me stories of him coming on to them as young as 12, 13 years old. 13 years old. Which I find very interesting. What Stacy says next changes things for me and becomes a factor in the disappearances I cannot overlook or underestimate. I know my dad liked young girls. I know my dad liked young girls. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. 
I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here. A little while back, I became obsessed with stories that fell apart. Specifically, Hollywood projects that fell apart and why they did. So I started calling up everyone I knew in Hollywood and asked them to pitch me their favorite idea, the one that broke their heart because it never got made. These stories were so good, and we decided to turn them into a series on revisionist history. We're calling it Development Hell, the dreaded phrase that no one in Hollywood ever wants to hear, the one that describes purgatory, where once promising scripts go to die. There's going to be name-dropping, celebrity gossip, endless digressions, a story that was way too shocking for the studios, one that was told from the point of view of an exotic pet, and about the wild ride we went on trying to adapt my book, Blink. I can't wait to share it all with you. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Bob LaRosa is someone I am now focused on. So I meet with Stacy's brother, Bob and Susan's youngest son, Maurice Mo LaRosa, to ask what he remembers about his father. And what he has to say about Bob immediately spurs my interest. Mo, let me ask you, what did Bob do for a living during the 70s? During the 70s, he did a lot of scrap metal. Mo was nine months old when his mother disappeared. Today... He is a heavy-set guy. He sports a thick goatee, short brown hair, buzz cut. He has a charming disposition. Knowing now what I learned from Mo's sister, Stacy, I have several new leads in mind that I'm hoping Mo can help with. Did your dad ever have a model of a station wagon? Um, yeah. Um, we owned a station wagon. I'm told Bob LaRosa often wore khaki pants and khaki shirts kind of like a blue-collar worker's uniform. More than that, Bob drove around town, sometimes with one of his kids, nieces, or nephews, in the station wagon. He collected what he could find and salvaged it at the junkyard. I mean, what do you think happened to your mom? I, I honestly, I don't know what happened to her. I just don't think my dad had anything to do with it physically. I don't know, I don't know if he didn't, I don't know, how do I want to say that? I don't know if he doesn't know the person that did, but I don't think he had anything himself physically to do with it. 
As I listen to Mo, I take note of his trepidation, his uncertainty, and the fact that he was just nine months old in diapers when his mother went missing. I understand his conflict, especially when you put it into a box of family secrets, discourse, and disunity. But what I think as I keep my investigator's cap tightly secured is maybe how Bob LaRosa might have spent a lifetime convincing his youngest son that he had nothing to do with it. And an even bigger red flag for me? Mo LaRosa is now the second person to suggest Bob LaRosa might not have acted alone on the night his wife, Susan, disappeared. Far and away, most sexual assaults and sexual violence are perpetrated by men and typically arise within asymmetrical power dynamics where the perpetrator occupies a more powerful or dominant position in relation to the victim. That is a quote from an article written by Lynn Yannick, board certified in clinical social work, published in Psychology Today. It is a contextual piece of information for me within the framework of what you are about to hear. Hello. Hi, Bernadette. Yes, this is Bernadette. Hi, it's uh, M. William Phelps. Call me Matthew. Matthew? Okay. Bernadette Gonthier is one of Susan LaRosa's other sisters. At the time of her death, Susan was 20 years old and living with her husband Bob and their three children in a three-bedroom apartment on Ward Street in Rockville, Connecticut, just a 15-minute drive away from Crystal Lake. How was your sister right around that time, 1975? How was she doing? Great. I mean, she um, was doing good. She, you know, she was, um, oh my God. She was, uh, I don't know, I guess she was too. When she'd come to our house, she was, she seemed to be up to par. But back then, I was, you know, I was 14 years old, 13 and 14. And she didn't do a lot of talking to me, you know, she did to my mom. I mean, because back then you didn't do that, you know what I mean? Back in those days, it was between mom and daughter, or but it wasn't the whole family. Bernadette has a way of not holding anything back. She will tell you exactly how it is. No bullshit. This, for one, I can relate to. And two, I greatly appreciate. Bullshit is nothing but a waste of everyone's time. The world needs to hear truth, not a watered-down version of what might offend someone. I ask her about Bob and Susan's relationship, and she reveals something I find very interesting. They seem to argue a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. When it came to the kids and stuff, they seem to argue a lot. Um, she... Uh, she would throw things at them. <laughs> you know. But... Most of the time when she got pissed off, she'd go for a walk. You know what I mean? She And she always took, this is the weird thing. She never went anywhere without the baby, Maurice. Never. Except for this one day, supposedly, the day she disappeared. She didn't have the baby with her. Right. So tell me about that. Tell me about the day she disappeared. Uh, we had been at my uncle's house up in Wales, Mass. Um... We came home later that early evening, and um, my mother got a call from Bob, 
I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was Bob that called and said, have you heard from your daughter? And my mother, Susan always knew, I mean, mostly every Sunday we went to my uncle's in Mass. And Sue knew when we were there and when we'd come home, you know what I mean? And this one day, my mother didn't get her phone call. Bernadette mentions a cop who worked a beat just up the street from the apartment. A cop who was familiar with Susan because he saw her every day when she would walk to the drugstore to make her daily phone call to her mom at 6 p.m. And he never saw her that day. And the pharmacist, now back then you could buy cigarettes in a pharmacy. And the pharmacist used to sell them to my sister all the time and he never saw Sue that day. And so the night passes, the next day comes, and what happens? My mom didn't sleep much, let me tell you. You know, she just was up constantly waiting for Sue to call to see if maybe she had gone off somewhere or whatever. Bernadette said the days after Susan went missing were absolute torture on everyone. The family on edge, waiting, wondering. Everyone, that is, except Bob LaRosa, apparently. Bernadette knew this because... I had to move in with my brother-in-law to take care of the kids. Bernadette was only 14 when she had to move into Bob and Susan's home just days after her older sister went missing. They lived on the second floor of what was an old colonial home converted into several low-income apartments. What Bernadette saw when she stepped into the apartment is something she's never forgotten. What did you see when you went there the first time after she went missing? Blood on the floor, on the wall, on the door, down the stairs. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There was, well, I mean, there was trickles going down the stairs, you know? Now, they had a living room kitchen combination, okay? So it was just one room open. The blood was over near my nephew Robert's bedroom, a big pool of it was on the floor and the door and all that. And he gave me a putty knife to clean it up. I I had to clean it with a putty knife because it wouldn't come off. Bernadette says she had to scrape what she believed was her sister's blood off the floor, walls, door, and down the stairs. So she got on her hands and knees and went to work. Let me just uh, ask you, when he gave you the putty knife to clean up the blood, where did he say the blood came from? He said it came from my nephew. He said my sister slapped him in the face. And he got a bloody nose and a bloody lip. Well, I didn't see anything that could have bled like that. I'm not stupid. He had a little boo-boo, but no way would that amount of blood come out. So that blood, when, when, when you started to clean that blood up with the putty knife, what were you thinking? Uh, I was 14. What did you expect me to think? You know, back then, we were clean living. You know, we didn't think that way. What a sobering statement. In this same situation today, your mind would go right to murder. In the 70s, murder was not thought of in the same way or reported by the media as headline news like it is today. But as I was cleaning it, I'm like, you know, I said to him, I said, well, this is a lot of blood from coming from Robbie. I said, what the hell? Oh, well, he bled really hard and this and that. And um, 
what did you do with the putty knife? Gave it back to him. Did he ask for it back? Yes. Bernadette was not questioned by police then. That came many years later. In fact, the Vernon Police Department never went into the La Rosa residence after Susan went missing or after her body was found. As Bernadette stayed at the apartment, days passed, and with them came additional odd behaviors on Bob LaRosa's part. And that's when the car disappeared. One day Bob had the vehicle, the next, he didn't. When asked, he said he'd sold it. Did Bob ever act weird around you while you were there? He was always kind of weird. I mean, I was 14 years old, and it was dead of summer, you know what I mean, in June, and it was really hot in the city, and he had taken all the fans in his room. He was a friggin' pervert. And he said to me, I said, Bob, can I have a fan, please? And there he goes, the other way you're going to get a fan if you, is if you come in here and sleep with me. And I looked at him, and I said, what is your friggin' problem? I said, no way, no way. Thanks anyway, keep them. Days after his wife goes missing, the guy is asking his 14-year-old sister-in-law, who'd scrape blood off the floor and walls on her hands and knees with a putty knife, to have sex with him? Bernadette told nobody about the blood. She was terrified. As years passed, she eventually let family members know and, finally, went to the police. Her statement led the Vernon PD to take another look at Susan LaRosa's murder in the year 2000, which put Bernadette back in the LaRosa's apartment all those years later. I think it was a detective called saying that they would like me, if I was able to, they would like me to go back to the house and pinpoint where the blood was that I'd cleaned and seen. If the police found one droplet, it would corroborate Stacy LaRosa's statements to police from 1975 and Bernadette Gauthier's later statements, both of which would be huge. Big enough, in fact, to possibly charge Bob LaRosa with murder. in the next episode of Paper Ghosts. It's like she dropped off the face of the earth. And if you tried to say anything to them about her, they didn't like it. They would walk away or, you know, they didn't like it. So you have the, the more intelligent ones saying, oh, well, she's missing. And then you have the ones over here that are saying, we've seen her. There was child abuse going on in the orphanage that I know of. I know for a fact. So that was enough for me. Just somebody do something. Get over here. I want him to tell you guys what he told me. What happened? Paper Ghosts is written and executive produced by me, M. William Phelps. With help from producer Christina Everett and sound editing by Pete Cardi from Backroom Audio. A special thanks to Abu Safar and Will Pearson from iHeartRadio. The series theme, number 442, is written and performed by Tom Mooney and Thomas Phelps. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannikaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect. Which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America. To the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me and myself in the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.